you're here, you already sense there's something out there, something magical and mysterious, just waiting for you to find. And you've probably already discovered it isn't as easy as just thinking happy thoughts. You're not alone. Generations of shamans, philosophers, seers, and scientists have pursued this eternal quest. Where their ideas come together, you'll find powerful tools to cultivate magic and self-mastery in your own life. Welcome to the Magic and Mastery Podcast. I'm your host, Donna Woodwell. I'm a former journalist, an author, a master astrologer, and a hermetic initiate, and it's my honor to be your guide. In each episode, I'll meet you at the crossroads of science and spirit, reason and intuition to help you discover the wisdom that works for you. Are you ready? The adventure awaits. Hello, and welcome to the Magic and Mastery Podcast. This is episode 007, The Shadow Knows. Now, I named it that because since my last episode, I've been thinking a lot about shadows and what they mean to our lives. Now, as always with these episodes, to make it easier to refer back to the bits you're looking for, we've added headings and timestamps to the show notes. You'll find them at www.magicandmastery.com slash podcast. Normally, I write an episode script, record the script, and then upload the transcript to Medium. But this time I decided to do things a little differently and just talk and see what emerges. Well, I suppose the joke is on me since it turned out I had to record this podcast three times as the first two recordings produced 30 minutes of dead airtime. Talk about a manifestation of shadow in the world. Oh, and one more thing before I forget, be sure to stay tuned until the end when I share an experiment that you can try out for yourself to see how the magic works for you. So I guess it's time to get started. Now, I've been trying to stay away from the news lately. I went to journalism school, which makes me a bona fide news junkie. But finding it hard and so overwhelming that it's distracting me from the work that I need to do. Some of the footage is so haunting and disturbing. They left me wondering things like, how can people possibly think that? Or how could anyone do that? I find myself yelling at the television in an empty room. It makes me ponder the larger questions. Why can otherwise logical people believe such crazy or hurtful things? Or even bigger, why do good people do bad things? You know, we're clearly in the midst of eclipse season. Eclipses occur when the sun or the moon is shadowed by celestial alignments. And it seems like everywhere you look, especially if you turn on that news, the shadowy bits of human nature are on full display. Although, truth be told, they are always on display. Eclipse season is just an excuse for us to talk about it. But talk about it, we should. So what exactly is our shadow? Well, the word reminds me of something my mom used to say, the shadow nose. I looked it up once. It turns out it's a tagline from an old radio show. And the full quote goes, what evil lurks in the heart of men, the shadow knows. That's actually not too far from the psychological definition of shadow. In the words of Carl Jung and other transpersonal psychologists, the shadow is defined as the dark side of our mind space. You you can think about our mind space as a large mind field, one with no edges. Go on, I dare you. 
find the edges of your own mind. If you do, come back and tell me because I want to hear about it. All right, so the shadow then is the part that's not directly illuminated by the light of our consciousness. You can think about that as like a little flashlight in a giant cave. What's in shadow is all the stuff that we hide or deny because we feel it's unacceptable or somehow shameful. And we deny it because of what it would make us think about ourselves or that we feel like it would prevent us from fitting in with society. It can also include all those painful childhood wounds and traumas that we try to avoid and maybe even emotions that are really strong that for some reason we feel are uncomfortable or unacceptable. So this is things like rage or lust or envy, fear, jealousy, or even the desire for power. All of these things can challenge the ego's ability to see itself as the king or the queen of the castle. And so we come up with all kinds of tricks to avoid it. You hear yourself or others using some of these phrases. You know the shadow is almost definitely at work. I didn't do it. It's their fault, not mine. This is when we're projecting bits of our unacknowledged parts onto other people so that we can pretend it's not part of us. Or this one, everybody does it. Or everyone says it. That's when we're rationalizing our personal actions, opinions, or desires as normal or acceptable. Or we just flat out ignore, deny, or anyway reject the existence of our thoughts and actions. I didn't do that. Didn't happen. In, in such a way that it appears like we're gaslighting other people, that we're undermining their sense of reality because we are, de are denying the reality of our own experience. Now, the thing about avoiding shadow is that it, by definition, creates a kind of cognitive dissonance within our mind space. Now, cognitive dissonance just means there's a part of us over here on one side that is experiencing one thing and a part of us over here on the other side that's experiencing something different and the two of them don't meet. They're not integrated. And so the gap between what you believe you are and what you think you're supposed to be and what you're denying, as it becomes larger, the cognitive dissonance grows and thus the shadow deepens in strength and power. So because of this dynamic inside of us, which the shamans call soul loss, by the way, when we push bits of ourselves away and disown them, we are losing some of the coherence and power of our own soul. And what it results in is all kinds of consequences. Like, for example, a lack of authenticity in how we show up in the world. We aren't, we aren't bringing our full selves to the table. We tend to project things onto other people, which increases the chance of being prejudiced and intolerant of others. We can become arrogant and vain. We're afraid of how other people might see us, and so we try to puff ourselves up in an artificial way. We can fall into fits of rage when we feel like someone might be getting too close to discovering the truth, which can even turn into violence. 
Of course, this leads to having trouble getting along with others in general. It can also lead to low self-esteem and feelings of self-pity. Oh, woe is me. They're all out to get me. And other ways we try to fill up these gaps within us is with addictive behavior. Of course, anxiety comes up because we feel like there's something lurking in the shadows waiting to come get us, even if we put that thing in the shadows there ourselves. Chronic illnesses because minds are not distinct from bodies. And so when we have trouble in our minds that we haven't had a chance to integrate, eventually they seep down onto the very cellular level and cause something else to break down so that we have to deal with it out in the, in the conscious world. And a host of other mental disorders because of this dissonance that we're creating within ourselves. And that's just on the individual level. When societies refuse to cope with our collective shadows, society becomes ill. Now, in one way, it becomes more intolerant because it's trying to shove things out to the fringes that it doesn't want to look at. My family, my team, my religion, my nation, my race all becomes number one and the only way and everything else becomes inferior or dangerous. Because of that, we become fearful of others or even paranoid that there's some shadowy force out there, some deep state lurking that is messing with our societies when it's really our own shadows that we're projecting out onto those edges. Or because we're trying to fill the void, all we have left is to ask questions like, well, what's in it for me? And so we become focused on our own instant gratification and titillation. And if this stuff sounds familiar to you, well, again, all you need to do is look out the window or look at what's on television and you will see the shadow everywhere. And so you may realize that there are some really important reasons to start working directly with your shadow and bringing more of it to light. Because the process of enlightenment literally making things more light is exactly what it means to do your shadow work, to bring more consciousness to the shadowy bits of ourselves. It means becoming more fully integrated so you have more vitality and power within your soul. And understanding that sometimes the sad and anxious and angry and insecure bits, all of them are part of the human condition and to have some humility and compassion for yourself. By working with your shadow, you're gonna feel increased vitality and more resilience because there's more of you showing up to the table. More confidence that you have the capacity to meet what's out there in the world. You may feel higher self-esteem. You may feel more worthy of interacting with everyone else in the world and greater creativity. Creativity comes when you are aligned with spirit, getting into flow, and all of this is easier when you have all of those shadowy bits reclaim that energy and are bringing it into your core sense of self, and even more effective intuition. Intuition comes through the periphery, it comes through the edges, it comes through the shadowy unconscious bits. And when you're defending so hard to keep the shadow at bay, 
Kind of like, you know, Fred Flintstone used to try to shove everything into the closet and hold the door shut so it couldn't fall out on his head. Same idea. When you're trying to shove all that stuff in and hold it away, you are not going to feel the voices and promptings of spirit. They're not going to be able to get through that defensiveness you set up around you. And of course, this work is completely essential for those who want to practice magic. Because your shadow will come out and play when you are seeking to magically co-create your world. You'll subtly sabotage your intentions and your energy field. And what you will attract is not necessarily just what your conscious mind had planned. It will attract what you feared, everything that you have put into shadow. Convinced now? Then let me give you five tips for how you can learn how to work more effectively with your shadow. Starting with this general principle, working with shadow requires you to develop a kind of soft focus. Now, what does that mean? Well, the mind has different modes of perception. There's a direct focus, and that means intently gazing at what's in front of you. Now, I can see my phone over there on the other side of the desk, and I can stare at my phone and notice the cover on it, the smudges on the glass, those kinds of things. That requires me to concentrate a little bit, or I can soften my focus, and the phone may be a little less clear, But then I can be able to see other stuff on the desk, other stuff in the room, all the things around my peripheral vision. Soft focus requires you to relax a little and receive and not force like you do in direct focus. And that learning to receive requires you to relax, slow down, have some patience. And especially when it comes to what's coming from within, some compassion and non-judgment. Because if you're trying to if you're trying to control it, you know, it's not going to show its true face to you, so to speak. So the goal is in doing working with shadow is creating safe spaces for these shadowy bits to emerge so they may become integrated and healed. All right, so technique number one. It's paying attention to your emotions. Your emotions are what you are feeling at any moment in time. And emotions are like the soundtrack to your life. Just like a movie. All movies have soundtracks playing in the background. In fact, some movies sound really odd if they have nothing playing in the background. It's the sound that brings the emotional quality, the music that tells you what to feel at any given time during the movie. And so emotions are constantly playing, even if you're not paying attention to them. So to do the shadow work means to create space to actually acknowledge what you are feeling. Maybe even put a label on it, though that's not necessary. But then asking yourself gently, what is the source of that feeling? If you're feeling content or agitated or anxious, where is it coming from? And then wait for an answer to emerge because emotions don't work at the same speed as our talky mind's thought process. They are often 
speaking in a language of symbol. They're often slower, and so they they work on their own time scale. But once you do have some time to reflect and create space for them, it's important to own what you discover without self-recrimination. Because self-recrimination, saying, oh wait, that's bad, I can't think that, or I can't feel that, is just piling on more emotion on top of the emotion you were already feeling. It's just complicating the situation. So try to allow things to be experienced without that judgment on top of them, and you will get much more deepened results and reflections. Okay, so technique number two is doing the same for recurring thought patterns. If you have thoughts playing in your head over and over again on a loop where they come back day after day, there is something there about your shadow that's important for you to understand or the thoughts wouldn't keep reappearing. Now, common negative recurring thought patterns might include things around, I'm not good enough. Those are thoughts like, I'm unlovable, I'm unloved, I'm flawed, I'm broken, I'm ugly, I'm powerless. All that stuff that says, for some reason, you are not enough. Or a kind of bargaining, to be loved, accepted, fill in the blank. I need to become something different than I already am. I must be prettier, I must be perfect. Or I need to act differently. I need to take care of others. I need to be kinder. I need to something. So when thoughts like these arise, it's an opportunity for you to do some thought work to help you illuminate the shadowy bits that's behind them. So ask yourself things like, is this true? Is this really happening? Is this actually something in reality? Or could there be a different way of thinking about this situation? Now, in the last episode, I posted a shadow thought work worksheet that you can use to work with the things that you fear. But the same techniques could work on any other kind of recurring thought patterns. And we do this because just by asking ourselves the questions, is this true? Could there be a different way of working with it? We are questioning the very nature of our reality bubble, which kind of circumscribes our conscious space. And by making it a little bit bigger, we are, by definition, embracing a little bit of the stuff around the shadowy edges. All right, technique number three are the other ways that you can work to make shadow visible. You can explore it by taking it and finding some way to put it out in the world. You can do it through journaling, for example. And stream of consciousness journaling can be really useful in this. Just take a blank piece of paper and write whatever comes to mind. You know, I even have a training in writing a book of shadows, which is specifically designed to create space for your shadow to emerge on a day-to-day -day basis so that you can begin to integrate it. Of course, meditation is one of those amazing human inventions to help make space for shadow. There's many different forms of meditation, and they can generally fall into two categories, the 
kind of meditation that helps you develop your ability to directly focus on things and the type of meditation that helps you to do soft focus and open-ended meditation, so to speak. So it's those open meditations like mindfulness that can especially help with the process of doing shadow work. It aligns with it very well. Freud, of course, called dreams the royal road to the unconscious. That's because the stuff that's coming up in dreams are images that are generated from the shadowy bits of our minds. But they give us an opportunity to see what's going on in there. And if you can develop the ability to remember your dreams and write about them in the morning, you have an entire world built of shadow images that you can explore to help you bring those back and integrate them into your experience. Now, the author and Teacher Robert Moss does some great work on how to work with your dreams to help you integrate all that energies in your life. I highly recommend it. Of course, any other kind of creative activity that lets you bring the stuff inside of you to the outside world, whether it's art or music or dance or any other kinds of self-expression, can create a safe space for you to be able to work with shadows in a more conscious and constructive way. So because all of these can bring light to shadow, they can help you work with those energies and integrate those energies in a positive way in your life. So you're not splitting them off and pushing them on to other people. Okay, so technique four, support and nurture your inner child. Now, as we grow up, we tend to allow our childlike self to linger and languish in the shadowy bits of our minds because we don't need it, because we don't want to remember the past, because bad things happened to us in the past that we don't know how to integrate, because being childlike is a waste of time. All those things that we tell us that you have to grow up in order to fit into society. And so it's important to spend some time with that little childlike voice within to make space for those impulses, those creative urges that we were born with inherently before we layered all this socially constructed reality on top of it. People think that how they perceive the world is their own creation, but it's not quite that simple. We co-create our reality bubbles with the society and the culture and our family around us. We don't do it by ourselves. We don't do it in a vacuum. We wouldn't be so concerned about about fitting in. (laughs) We use this. Our shadow is partially constructed out of a need to fit in. And we push things away that don't fit those social and material norms of the world around us. Um, Take any religion, for example. We are most often adopting the religion that our parents gave us when we grew up. And so people who grow up in a Christian household are usually Christian because their parents were. Or if you happen to grow up in a Jewish household, it's because your parents were. Or a Muslim household, or a Buddhist household, or a pagan household. It doesn't really matter what the religion is. You have it because it was part of the culture that you grew up in, not because it's better than another religion. And so we have to recognize that part of the work of supporting our inner child is, a, is 
tapping into that little self that we were before all of that enculturation (laughs) happened in our lives. And to forgive ourselves for losing touch with that spark of innocence within and making time to play. One of the best ways that you can tap into that little child self is to simply allow yourself some playtime, to just be spontaneous and, and not be so fettered by the, sh- I should do this. Should is a direct sign of shadow. You hear yourself saying, I should. That's your shadow talking to you. And so technique number five is to find ways to talk about it. All of these techniques are opportunities to put your shadow out there where you can see it in a constructive way instead of a destructive way. And so talking about it, you require a safe space and a witness. Many people use a therapist for this. They can be great witnesses to the process. They're trained on how to hold space for people to work with their shadowy bits. But if therapy isn't your thing, then you can find a good friend who is willing to listen without judgment. And that's the key thing. Listen, creating space without being judgmental. Can have much of the same power as being with a good therapist. All right? All right, so those are your five techniques that you can use to learn how to bring that shadowy bit to a place where you can actually see it. When you can actually see it, you can establish a dialogue with it and begin the process of reintegrating those shadowy bits into your life to accepting them and loving who you are, flaws and all. And all of this sounds great, but there's still a little flaw. And the little flaw is this. Remember at the beginning of the episode when I said, you know, I watch the news and I wonder how can anyone say that? Or how can they do that? And I have to admit to myself that just thinking, how can they? How could they? My own shadow self is being activated. And that's because it's a seductive, slippery slope. Because everyone has a shadow everyone. And that means me. And that means you. And the moments when you feel superior, self-righteous, woke, or whatever other words you want to use, that's the moment when you are being seized by the limits of your own reality bubble. In essence, you are closing the door on a prison of your own making. And the only way out is to realize that reality, and that's reality with a capital R, in case you can't hear it, is bigger than you could ever imagine. Now, consider this. You are a single human out of nearly 8 billion others on a planet with trillions of other life forms with different perspectives, circling a star in a solar system, if I recall correctly, is approximately a quarter trillion miles in diameter. And that is all just one tiny, tiny corner of a galaxy with a hundred billion other stars in a universe with a hundred billion galaxies. So let me put it this way. 
if you think your perspective is the one true way or the way things are, you are sadly underestimating the situation. Everything you know is infinitesimal, is small in comparison with everything there is. Remembering that is the beginning of humility. And it's that kind of humility and a dose of compassion to go with it that's required to make space for the dialogues that need to happen to help heal the world within as well as heal the social ills that we see in the world around us. Because every person, no matter who they are, no matter what they think and believe, has a little bit of the puzzle. And seeking to listen and understand all the bits, even the ones that are abhorrent to you, is necessary to bring more light into the world. That doesn't mean that you can't have standards, but that means that you need to make space for the stuff that you don't want to see. Working to illuminate shadow is a never-ending journey. Seeking enlightenment is a process, not a destination that we reach. We don't get to the top of the mountain and get to congratulate ourselves. And with that, let's turn to this week's experiment. As I mentioned earlier, there are different modes of perception. And soft focus is kind of like experiencing the world in your peripheral vision. So let's take a moment and tune into your peripheral vision and other sensations that you might have discounted along the way. Take a deep breath and relax and soften your gaze. And without turning your head, notice how far your vision extends, what you can see around you, and perhaps what you didn't notice before. See the stuff around the edges. And if you want to go even deeper, just allow your eyes to gently close and notice the sounds around you. Notice the temperature of the room, how it feels on your skin. Notice any other sensations your body feels. Notice any emotions lingering around the edges. Now, just a moment ago, you were listening to a podcast, and yet all of this other stuff was going on without you paying much attention to it because you were listening to me. Now, Jung called all this extra stuff the superficial or the surface shadow because it's you know, the stuff still happening in a three-dimensional world that you're not paying attention to. And yet there's so much more below that waiting to be discovered. And when you slow down and allow it to emerge from the depths, life becomes richer and more amazing than you ever imagined. So if you want to go even deeper with your exploration of shadow work, check out the Book of Shadows training, 
or ask me questions. You can find me in my magical community, the Magic and Mastery Coven. You can find out more information about it at www.magicandmastery.com coven. And of course, don't forget the show notes are at www.magicandmastery.com podcast and include episode timestamps so that you can check out again the parts that you want to reflect on. Thanks once again for tuning into this episode of Magic and Mastery with me, your host, Donna Woodwell. As I've said before, I love getting feedback. Helps me know what makes you jazz so I can provide more of the good stuff. Plus, this is the first episode I've recorded without a script, and I'd love to know what you think about this format. So it would mean so much to me if you would take a moment to rate and review this podcast and If you like it, why don't you share it with a friend?